Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show today, live at Kyle Field, Texas A&M. I'm going to saunter on over to Reed Arena. And thanks to the folks at Compass Media, get a chance to call Kentucky versus the Ags tonight. Big college basketball tilt. Why do we call it a tilt? Right, Tilt is a bad thing in... in um, uh, what's it called? Uh, pinball? Why do we call it a tilt? Anybody? Does anybody? Ramos, any idea why we call it a tilt? I think it's because you move the pinball machine so much that it actually it tilts to one side or another, causing it to be uh, invalid. No, I know that, but why do oh. we call a, a game a tilt? Like, oh. I, it's oh, like, an expression that I use, but I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, Maybe can I, I just? Don't know. I, I don't know 100%, but can I just say, and, and if I, I just a theory would be it It can tilt either either way, like one side or the other. Well, I know the gambling term of tilted, okay. right, which is many, it's like running on emotions. Okay. Right? If, you're, if, you're til- if you're tilted, that's what it means. Uh, is a game the same thing? Um, I don't know. Byer, you have any idea? Yeah, I think John was on the right track there. That's what I that's what I said is that game will adjust the standings and the outcome. That's how I always viewed it. Hmm. Okay. Smarter guys than me. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dan. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Daniel Jeremiah joins us. Do you ever call a game a tilt? Do you say this is a tilt? Oh, okay. He yeah, he just he's not even here yet and he doesn't even he wants <laughs> nothing to do with that answer. <laughs> Zero to do with that with the, with that answer. A uh, lot to get to. Okay, so here's what everybody's talking about. It's it's um, Troy Aikman, three-time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, and of course a lead analyst for Fox. He was on a Dallas radio station, and he had this to say about what was wrong with the Cowboys' offense on Sunday against the Niners. Back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares. But what I see around the leagues, not just Dallas, it was in Philadelphia, I've seen it with a lot of teams, that a lot of these offenses, they want to scheme things. Rather than this corner is playing soft, he's scared to death, just run the route tree. Just run a comeback, run a, run a dig route, run a curl, run anything. And you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. Urban would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb. The game's not that difficult if if i've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage throw him the ball Daniel jeremiah is a quarterback in college at appalachian state of course he's an analyst for the nfl network and for the la chargers radio network you should download the podcast move the sticks he and bucky brooks are phenomenal um how how valid are troy eggman's points I would agree with him 100%. Um, I think it's absolutely correct. And Bucky always says this on the podcast when we're talking about this kind of stuff, just it's got to be players over plays at times. You know, you get you get locked in, and this is the offense, and this is what we're running, and you kind of forget, look, this is our best guy. 
get the football in his hands. We, we were calling that game for Amazon, and we were wondering, golly, they, they are force-feeding Cedric Wilson, um, and CeeDee Lamb can't get a target. Like, I, it didn't make any sense at the time, and I imagine Troy was extremely uh, frustrated when he checked in on that one. Um, okay, so is that – this is what I felt like, and, and it's funny because I've heard plays over, play, uh, plays over players, people use it in basketball as well. Everybody wants to get the best play, like just get to your best player and get the hell out of the way, right? Let's, let's, not, let's, not, over, <laughs> let's, not, let's not overthink yeah. this thing. And, and this, it's, they're being too cute. And I think – and again, forgive me if I hold Boise State against him, but it's a little bit of that Boise State mentality where – They've always been a little bit too cute in the red zone this year. They've had clock management issues all year. They've had penalty issues all year. And they, they, don't, they don't protect nearly as well as their offensive line should based upon reputation. Zeke Elliott's not the same guy as his reputation. Like, all of these things came to roost in one game. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say one of the big takeaways for me from that game is – you looked at a team, and you probably – this is a great example. I'd love to get your take on it, Doug, from, from a college basketball perspective when teams go into the tournament. Uh, but this is a – that was a 49ers team that was rugged and tested playing in the Thunderdome of the NFC West against the Dallas Cowboys team that played in the worst division in football. And there was a little bit of a hollow champion there. When, they got, when it got real physical, it was obvious who the more – uh, physical team was and I think your schedule has a little bit to do with that I think we think of oh, it's the NFL it's not like college football and you know the schedules there's parity all this kind of stuff well no when you play when you play each team in your division twice and your division is really good or your division is really bad that makes a difference I, I completely agree the Eagles are the the best example of that right where it's like yeah you won the NFC East but you know sorry you're, you're actually not that good whereas I, I've been on the Niners all year they weren't when they they didn't have Kel, uh, didn't have uh, Kittle. They're not the same. Debo Samuel's just an absolute monster. They didn't have him. And then Nick Bosa was coming off an ACL, and he slowly got better and better and better. I want to get to the matchup with the Packers in a second. Let's move to the Eagles. Uh, why are they so in love with Jalen Hurts? I, I I'll ask you again. I'm asking you a lot of questions today. I uh, I posed this question because I was. Uh, having fun on Twitter saying, okay, would you give up your three picks this year for, for Russell Wilson if you're the Eagles? Yes. And, and and Eagles fans lost their minds, and I'm sitting here going, 15, 16, and 19? That is, the 15, 16, and 19 was Mac Jones, Zayvon Collins, a linebacker, and Shaman Davis. You wouldn't trade those three guys for a Hall of Fame quarterback who's, who's only 33 years old, which is still young in the way the game's played right now, who's had literally – Russell Wilson's had one bad year, and really it was just after the finger injury. Before the finger injury, he had nine touchdowns and no picks this year, uh, coming on the heels of a year where he went 12-4. and four. Uh, But what my point was then, uh, you know, well, it's too much to give up for one player. So I said, I asked an Eagles fan or a writer, whoever was on there, I said, if the Eagles and the Bucks swapped quarterbacks in that game, who wins? So I'd love to get your, your answer on that one because I know mine, and I don't even think it's a question. Oh, it's Tom Brady. The Eagles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dallas Goddard would have caught eight or nine balls. Devontae Smith would have caught eight or nine balls. And the, and the Eagles defense would have stacked the line of scrimmage and swarmed and forced Jalen Hurts to throw. He just, he's not, so, that's so, not, it's not something he can do real well right now. And well, here, here, here's my, here's my, too, here's my problem with the Jalen Hurts excuses or, or explanations, whatever you, however you want. Like he's 23. Like that's, if he, 
if he was Mitch Trubisky, who only started one year in college, we've seen Jalen Hurts, right? We saw him at Alabama, and Tua was light years better than him. And he gets to Oklahoma, and Kyler and Baker were light years better than him. And he's good. But they, everyone, everyone comes away with the exact same feeling about Jalen Hurts. Like, like him. Good dude. No flaws, as a, no character flaws at all. He's just not that good a thrower of the football, and he can't run a pro offense with with his inability, you know, to make precision throws. Right? I mean, I'm, it's not like we haven't seen him. We saw him play four years in college. He's the same guy, just at a higher level. And you hit that limit, and and they played the weakest schedule in the NFL. It's just hard. It's hard when you look around the tournament and who's left, and you look at those quarterbacks. And you have to be perfect if you don't have a premier quarterback. You've got to be perfect everywhere else. Now, maybe part of the problem is the Eagles just had lightning in a bottle with Nick Foles one year. And it's like, dude, that's like the, I mean, this is like the, you know, the Trent Dilfer Ravens. Like, that's not, that's not real life. Like, that's a once every 20 years chance. You have a premier quarterback, you are in the tournament with a chance every single year. Like, that's just, that's just what it is. So if you've got a chance to get one of those guys, and this is the year to do it because you've amassed all this draft capital, you're not going to be able to do this in another year. Um, man, heck yeah, I would do it. I I was completely befuddled by what the heck happened to Kyler Murray. I just I understand he's under pressure. I understand he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe it's the scheme that's a, too much of a college, too too basic a scheme that people figure out. But I mean. Kyler Murray looked totally lost, and I don't use this word lightly. He looked intimidated by the pass rush. What's your assessment as to what went so wrong for Arizona on Monday night? Well, I, I kind of watching the game. The words that came to mind were very frenetic, and and some panic kind of set in. You know, like it was every he couldn't get the ball out fast enough on some of those. He was not trying to work. Uh, as I've seen him do in the past, and try and work down the field, he would just get the ball out of his hands and. Um, you know, look, they're not great up front, but there were other times where he had some time in there and his, his feet were so busy and, uh, and he just didn't want to hang in there. So, uh, yeah, that was discouraging, man. You kind of watch that game and you think you're the Cardinals. Okay. We're getting close. We're getting close. And in that game, you're just like, man, we've, we've got a lot of work to do, um, to get where they need to get. And everybody's pointed out the collapses they've had over the last couple of years. Um, I think, you know, I think there's validity to that. You know, you come out with your ideas, you spend the off season, you get ready to go, um, and the league adjusts, and they haven't been able to adjust to the league. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Trader. That's the voice of Daniel Jeremiah. Um, did we see Mac Jones ceiling? Right, like I feel like we saw Jalen Hurts ceiling. We're maybe thinking Kyler Murray's ceiling's different than we thought previously. What about Mac Jones? Uh, how how much room for improvement is there? I think that there's room for improvement around him, um, which is going to raise his level of play, but there's nothing you're going to be able to put around him that's going to put him anywhere near on the level of the guy he was playing against last week. Like that's just that that's a gap that he's physically not going to be able to close. So in order to, in order for them to be able to compete with Buffalo, I mean, they got the doors blown off by 30 points. Um, they are going to have to upgrade the talent really on both sides, and they're going to have to kind of lift Mac up a little bit. So I think his level of play can improve because I don't think they're great, you know, offensive skill set wise around him. So I think they can they can raise him up a little bit. But I mean, Doug, that's I mean, 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch those two guys throw a football in that game and see the difference. I mean, he's never going to be able to do the things that Josh Allen can do. All right, now we're going to see Josh Allen back against the Chiefs' defense. Everybody says the Chiefs are different. You've seen both versions of the Chiefs in person. The, the Chargers beat them early in the year, lost to them in a very close game. They could have won late in the year. How different are the Chiefs when they face the Bills this weekend? Well, they're better, but, I, I mean, if Josh Allen's in the zone and locked in like he was last week, it ain't going to matter. There's nobody in this tournament it's going to matter if he's if he is what he was last week. I mean, that's, that's just the facts. Um, and I believe more in Buffalo's defense than I do in Kansas City's defense. So, um, yeah, they're better, but there's nothing you can do defensively that's going to defend what he was doing last week. I mean, they barely even got to third down. They were 6-6 six of six on third down. The longest one was four yards. Um, I mean, they were averaging over 10 yards of play on first down. And this isn't like, you know, this isn't some god-awful, terrible defense with some, you know, dumb defensive coordinator. This is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. He did whatever he wanted. Um, so if that version shows up, then, you know, God bless the rest of the NFL. We're all playing for second place. Uh, okay, let's let's get back to that Cowboys thing for a second. Uh, Mike McCarthy came out today and said it was the right call. He liked the, He agreed with the play call. Uh, what do you think of what happened at the very end of the Cowboys-Niners game? Well, I didn't like it. I mean, I, you can say, okay, if you execute it properly, maybe there's, you know, there's a chance that you can get another snap off. But is the juice worth the squeeze? So you're at the, what, the 23, 24-yard line uh, with one throw? Quite honestly, I think I'd rather have just two pops at the end zone from where you were, just throw two Hail Marys and see if you get one of them, you know. Um, or again, try and try and I know where the defense they're playing makes that difficult, but with some type of a flood route to see if you can get an opportunity to throw the ball down there. I just thought the risk versus the reward on that play call it just didn't it didn't make sense to me. Not getting not handing the ball to the to the official when I mean Romo obviously knew it, but anyone who's watched football was like, why aren't they handing the ball to the official? <laughs> I know, I know. Who do we put? Yeah, that on? that's what I'm saying. It was it wasn't it wasn't executed properly, and I know. Um, I think everybody's got to kind of own that, and that and, you know, Dak ultimately's got to own it because that's his, you know, that's his role and his job to know that. Um, but I saw McCarthy ca- caught a lot of heat, and I'm a, I like Kellen Moore a lot, but Kellen Moore's got to catch some heat for that too. I mean, that's something you should be repping uh, constantly, um, and you've got, you've got access to the helmet of the quarterback, so. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, that was a, there was a lot of blame to go around, but I think Dak probably at the end of the day probably has to carry the blame, the the brunt of the blow on that one. Okay, uh, the the Niners should have won that game going away, but they they kind of got cute as well, right? And the quarterback uh, got cute. Well, they one guy. So now he's going into Green Bay, who we the way to beat Green Bay is generally the way in which the Niners play. But you got the Jimmy factor. He's, there's going to be at least a throw, if not two, where you hold your breath and see if a defensive guy could just catch a ball thrown right to him. Bosa got a little bit dinged up. And the Packers, like, I don't know how well guys play when they haven't played all year, but they got everybody, everybody, almost everybody back. Uh, what's the likelihood that the Niners go in and beat the Packers in Green Bay? Well, I think they really match up well against the Packers, as, as you kind of mentioned, that stylistically that's a, a style that can give them fits. I just, I can't, I can't go with Jimmy on the road in that environment and Aaron being rested and that whole team being fresh. I just, I, I, I just don't believe enough in Jimmy Garoppolo to make the throws he's going to have to make in that game. Um, 
and you know, so I'm I'm leaning towards the Packers, but I will give you that. I think it's it's a difficult stylistic matchup for the Packers, um, but they are a rested, rested, healthy, hungry group. I I just the gap in the quarterbacks in that game is so significant. I just I got to go with the Packers. Okay, then let's get to the Buccaneers taking on the Rams. Uh, Rams obviously destroyed the Arizona Cardinals um, offensive line. Can the Rams get to Brady with four, right? That's the way to beat Brady. Get him off his spot. Got to do it with four. Can they do it? Yeah, absolutely they can do it. I mean, they, they've, you know, I, I've been saying it for a while since they made that Von Miller trade. Don't judge Von Miller on the regular season. He's a savvy veteran who knows to conserve uh, and get ready for the postseason because that's where the value of that trade is going to come in. Um, and then with, with AD inside, I mean, it is a really good offensive line for the Tampa Bay Bucks, but they're going to be able to get to him at times. Um, you know, my thing is on the other side of the ball, you know, we talk about Jimmy G giving the ball away. I know Stafford you know, was clean last week, but they're not going to be able to pound the ball on the Bucks like they did last week against the Cardinals. The Tampa is just not going to run on them like that. So this ball is going to be put in Stafford's hands, and Todd Bowles is going to be dialing up lots of pressure, um, that to me is is why I think this is uh, that's where the game's going to be decided is, is whether Matthew Stafford can protect the ball because they might get to Brady, uh, but I don't think Brady will, will do a lot to put the ball in jeopardy. I, I don't I don't know that I can do the same thing for Stafford. Uh, okay, what about the Bengals going into Tennessee? We're going to see Derrick Henry hadn't played in a while. Uh, it's a team that has th- that we've seen them in the playoffs previously. And then you got Cincinnati with all that weaponry. What's the likelihood Cincinnati pulls off the upset? Well, I, they're they're my favorite team to watch. I love Burrow. He's my favorite quarterback to watch. He's just so much fun, and I, I don't want to bet against him. I just don't think they're going to be able to physically block Tennessee up front. That's um, That would be concerning to me. And I think this game, we're going to know who the winner is at the end of the first quarter. The Bengals have to jump on them early and put Tennessee in chase mode. Uh, if Tennessee's up or if it's tight, uh, man, I, I just think that they're just so much better along the line of scrimmage, uh, and that's where that game will be decided. So I like Tennessee in that one. What would you say, Ramos? Justin Herbert's on hold. What? Why? <laughs> I, I know. Oh, he was well, listening. I, I don't count. He was listening, when, he was listening when you said, "Hold on, no, no, no." You just said, "Ramos, you want to run back the tape?" Didn't he just say that Joe Burrow is his favorite quarterback? He did say that. Just, yes. Justin Herbert's on hold. What? How are you going to answer so, this so, question so about here, Herbert and, and and Burrow? Let me, let me let me give let me give you the answer to this because it's the same reason why people would say Steph Curry is more fun to watch than LeBron James because we can't relate to LeBron James. He's just so much bigger and stronger and better than everybody else. Like you can't I, I'd look at Joe Burrow and go, man, it's just if I just had a little bit more, maybe I could have been Joe Burrow. You know, like this he's a version of all of us. Uh, just kind of like the average guy out there. Herbert is like LeBron. Like you can't there's no he's a cyborg. He is a cyborg. By the way, I I'm watching the the bad playoff games and I'm convinced that the Chargers screwed it up, oh, and man. then right, like there's no way they shouldn't be in the playoffs. They're one of the, and then so the Ravens and the Browns with all their injuries, they screwed it up, right? And then the, in the NFC, uh, the Colts. I mean, th- those are those are the four. The four teams are way better than the Patriots and then the Raiders. Like it's not not really close. And then and then you look in the NFC and the Saints. Obviously, when Jameis went went down, that completely changed that. The, the NFC, I think. And then I, I would say Washington would be the other team that you lose Chase Young and you lose Ryan Fitzpatrick early in the year. And maybe the other team that, that had the easy schedule, if McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, 
Darnold doesn't get hurt. I don't, if McCaff- I, I understand Darnold looked bad after McCaffrey yeah. went down, but when McCaffrey was healthy, they were three and zero. They were going to play a soft schedule. Those are the teams that screwed up the playoffs, aren't they? Well, and I would say also Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt. They probably are in the mix too uh, with his with his finger, just with him just throwing the ball over the place. But um, I, I've said this throughout the whole year. I don't think the best teams are going to make the playoffs. I, the, in in the COVID year that we have with with all the guys missing, it's the deepest teams that are going to make the playoffs, and we've seen that. You know, if the Chargers. I mean, obviously we can look at the last game, but you can't lose to Houston. And they were missing a zillion guys in that game. If somehow you can find a way to win that game, they're in the tournament, and we would have been spared some, you know, a pretty awful postseason game that we were forced to watch there. So um, how fun would that have been to have seen Herbert and Josh Allen going toe-to-toe? But, you know, hey, look, that's that's just kind of the way the year went. Everybody was dealing with injuries and COVID and – um, we didn't necessarily get the uh, all the best teams into the postseason this year. No, no, we didn't. But we still we're going to have an unbelievable weekend. Dan and Jeremiah, DJ, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you, Doug. See you. All right, that's Daniel Jeremiah, um, who apparently not very fond of Justin Herbert. Not like Joe Burrow. But I'm kidding. I'm, I'm completely and, and totally kidding. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. DJ, of course, works for the NFL Network. Download the Move the Sticks podcast. Okay, coming up uh, coming up next. Ooh, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on Dak Prescott's apology. And wait to hear what Mike McCarthy had to say about the officiating this past weekend. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Uh, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so Dak Prescott apologized, right? Apologized, or or did he apologize, right? He apologized for, uh, for what he said about the officials. Now, uh, Mike McCarthy, on the other hand, Mike McCarthy, do we have, uh, Ramos? Do you have that McCarthy sound for me? All right, here's here's Mike McCarthy earlier today. I think it's about officials. You know, officials don't lose games. I mean, that, that's clear. I think comments after games, people are emotional, uh, particularly when it doesn't go the way you you think it should go. Players are asked questions and uh, encouraged to give honest answers. I, th- I think, but once when they come back, they're very accountable. And our number one focus moving forward is the penalties. Way too many. You know, you look at the pre snaps. There's there's no excuse for it. It's been a focus all year. If it's been a focus all year, why hasn't it gotten better? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's a we've been focusing on all year. Have you? Really? I, I like buyer. Help me out with this one. Like, if you go like, well, we, I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have no explanation for it. It's who they are. It's who they've been, and it's what they were. Yeah, I, like that. That's the, that's the part of this of the Cowboys thing, which it's like. I get maybe sometimes I feel like we, you and I pay too much attention to stuff, right? And that, like, was anybody who's watched the Cowboys in any way surprised that they had a timing issue, they had a clock management issue at the end of the game? No. And, no one. No one. And, you know, like, they run the, the, the hook and ladder worked. It was great. But remember, early in the game, they ran that play where they threw it over the middle and they tried to throw it over to the sideline. Like, that's Kellen Moore. That's like his thing. Like he he loves the little trick play deal. That it and and forgive me if I'm 
putting too much on Boise State, but it, it is it just feels like the Boise State thing. Like, hey, man, we practice all these trick things. We take advantage of all of our opportunities to run it. You know, we're gonna we're gonna use everything in the bag. So you shouldn't be surprised that they ran a play that would be a non-traditional play at that moment. That that was really my that that's my point. In the trick plays like would most people run the quarterback draw? And and I actually understand the logic to it, right? Because if you're sitting there going like, look. I could throw it to C.D. Lamb, and maybe he takes it to the house. Okay, but who has a higher football IQ and understanding of exactly how much time? Because I will tell you this from a from football players are just are you know it's it's just like basketball players where you know exactly how much time it takes. It's like Fran Fraschilla does this all the time. He's a ESPN broadcaster, former head coach, where he talks about it's it's the general rule, which is um. Every dribble is a second, right? Every dribble is a second. And so, you know, if you have three seconds on the clock, I got three dribbles. You also know you can technically make it length of the court in just over three seconds. Right? Obviously, Ty said he just over four seconds. But but we can you, – you, you, everyone knows clock and timing if you have the ball in your hands. Point guards know it. Coaches know it. Quarterback sure as hell know it. So I do understand it, but the idea that a, a sort of kind of trick play, different sort of play, everybody else in the league would have either thrown the ball, you know, somewhere out of bounds, taking a shot deep, or even thrown it over the middle and then quickly lined up and downed it. The Cowboys try and get cute. That felt like Kellen Moore. The penalties were them. But then, like, Mike McCarthy, like, hey, penalties, we've been working on it all year. Wow. If you've been working on something and it's not better, it's worse at your biggest moments, whatever you've been doing is not working. It is, Dan said it perfectly, inexplicable. You can't, it's just like, it's just like, wait, you practice that play and that's how you executed it? So it it's pretty obvious, pretty obvious uh, I'm, and I'm trying to think which guest said that. I think it was Mike Mike Lombardi, but it's pretty obvious that the, the they may pra- you can practice all the right things, but if you don't practice at the right tempo in the right setting, you know, if you don't practice with referees, if you don't have the attention to detail, I'll give you. Bayer, have you ever heard of an offense in basketball called the flex? Yes. Okay. So the basics of the flex. Okay are you have a guy in the corner, a ball side post. It's a two-guard set offense, right? And then the weak side, the weak side wing, whatever, is in the opposite corner, okay? When you pass from guard to guard, you set what's called a flex pick. That's a baseline screen for the guy who's now in the weak side corner to come to the strong side block. And then, again, there's different types of flex movements. The the guy who had the basketball, the strong side guard who passed the weak side, he screens down, right? It's mm-hmm. a flex. Now, it's a very basic offense, and Auburn runs a version of it called cutters, which is they don't have the down screen. It's a, li- it's a little different. It's, it's how Dr. Tom Davis used to run it at Iowa and Boston College before. That's where Bruce Pearl learned it. Anyway, the point is, if you've played basketball, you probably know some version of the flex. And I would tell you that I don't like the flex. 
I don't like two-guard set offenses. I don't like traditional continuity offenses, which means in order for the offense to work, you have to turn the ball over from one side to the next. Um, And the reason I don't love it is because you can just cut off one side of the court and it kind of stops the offense. But if you really know it and you really execute it, any really good offense, for whatever you do defensively, there's an automatic counter to it. So lots of teams run the flex, but Wisconsin, and they, their version of it's called the swing. It's a little bit different. Some, they just run it better than everybody else. They have a better attention to detail. There's an offense everybody in co- college basketball runs. It's called ball screen continuity, right? Brad Stevens kind of invented it. Everybody runs it. Not everybody runs it right. Why? The difference is the attention to detail every day in practice, the attention to detail in games, in films, and what a coach allows. That's it. That, that, that's, that's really it. And so Mike McCarthy, by trying to kind of champion the fact that he I'd identified the problem, we, we've been working on this thing, and then it it's gets worse at the most important time, you're actually telling us that either your attention to detail or they're not paying attention or how hard you're practicing, whatever, isn't good enough. Which, again, is the least surprising thing ever because go back to when he left Green Bay. Do you guys remember what they said about him when he was Green Bay? Mike McCarthy, was he was seen as not a forward thinker and kind of lazy. That was, that was what drove Aaron Rodgers crazy was his head coach was lazy. And if your head coach isn't a guy who's on top of every detail, your players won't be. And that's what will happen. We've been working on it the whole season, you know. <laughs> the pre-snap penalties. There's not much payoff in the, you know. Cut a guy when he, when he commits a penalty, an egregious penalty. And guess what? Everybody will pay attention. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real... I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Every day at this time, we get you updated on the stories of the day. We do so by getting to the press. The press. Buyer. Dan Buyer, what do you got? Doug, we start out with one of your favorites. Baker Mayfield had success, successful shoulder surgery today. Shoulder surgery could be a tough one for me to say. Browns are saying that Baker could be doing some light throwing in April. They expect him to be fully healthy by the start of training camp. Right. Uh, look, it's his non-throwing shoulder, and so that stands to reason that he should be he should be back you know, fully healthy. I do want to point out, like, did you guys see Schefter's tweet about uh, Jameson? What's the kid's name from Alabama? 
Jameson uh, Williams? Jameson, uh, that's the wide receiver that yeah. tore his ACL. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll return to 4-3 speed. Like, how do you possibly know that? <laughs> the, the dumbest, to like, just why don't you just have the agents retweet his agent's tweet, right? Yes. But the, the I, I hate the, he's, he's going to make a full recovery, expect to make a full recovery. You have no idea. This hurts. None. You go in there and they fix it and you come out and the doctor's like, you're going to be great. Great. With a growing injury. Do they really know? No. Depends on how hard you work in rehab. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> if you have a cadaver tendon on an ACL or whatever, the, te- the tendons can fail. Lots of things. You get infection. I, I just, there's never been a surgery for an athlete that any doctors come out and gone like, I got no idea. I kind of screwed that thing up. I had a long night last night. Didn't sleep that well. But, you know, I got through it. You get a little luck. We'll be okay. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The surgery was unsuccessful. Yes. I, as, as someone who follows insiders like a lot of us do, I also just hate the tweets of so-and-so, like, is now working with such and such agency. Because it's such an agent sort of tweet where – I don't care about who the agent is and who switched or happy birthday to that agent. You're just revealing your sources is all you're doing. Holy mackerel. (laughs) I wonder if Charlie Steiner's going to like this story. Buccaneers (laughs) head coach Bruce Arians fined $50,000 for hitting safety Andrew Adams in the helmet during Sunday's wild card win. Arians says he is going to appeal that fine. Did you think it was a big deal? No, I, I didn't. I, it's he wasn't trying to fight him, you know. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he was like he smacked. When like came up yeah, and smacked him was, behind the head. Uh, it was like when Don Zimmer charged at Pedro Martinez, you know. And you're like, all right, what damage is he gonna do? Can't yeah, it rem- reminds me of that uh, that Simpsons episode where uh, Mr. Burns, I'm gonna give you the beating of your life. Oh, I'm gonna sit down because I'm tired. It's frustrating. <laughs> Uh, who's who's the frustrating drop? Uh, Dwight Howard? Howard, yeah. Okay, that's what I figured. <laughs> Titans are going to make a final decision on Derrick Henry later this week, but uh, all signs uh, pointing that Henry will return from his foot injury to face the Bengals. Yeah, got a metal, yeah. got a metal plate in there? Yes. That's got to yeah. be comfortable. Yeah. All right, Doug. See, I mean, think about it. You like, take off your shoes, you go through the metal detector, keep setting it off. Jeez. <laughs> Yes. How often do you think? By the way, that's the last thing you want. That's that's like yeah, that's true. That's like the last thing you want Derrick Henry to have. Maybe more metal on his body. He's already built like a Greek god. (laughs) You know. Uh, News broke about 30 minutes ago that JT Daniels was entering the transfer portal, leaving Georgia. And now, about 10 minutes ago, Stetson Bennett announced that he would return to Georgia. So we now know why JT Daniels is back in the transfer portal. Where was Stetson Bennett going? Um, he is. He may just not want to play football again, but apparently that's not the case. He wants to. He wants to play again for his sixth year in college football. Hasta la vista. Uh, given the uh, Evan Eschmeyer uh, award for sticking around for six, six years, uh, the extra COVID year <laughs> allows that. Jeff settles. Jeff yes. settles is like, come when you get to your eight. Perry, Perry Ellis, <laughs> another one. Uh, Jeff Lebo a long time ago was at North Carolina forever. I know people feel Aaron Kraft was at Ohio State for like two decades. Uh, but Stetson Bennett there for a sixth year. Now, the thing about Daniel's scenario, since it's the second time he's entered the transfer portal, 
he would have to sit out a year if he doesn't transfer somewhere as a graduate transfer. Yeah, he has so. to gra- he has to graduate Correct. in order to play right away. Seven. Yes. So that look, he's got he's got some catching up to do if he wants to. Uh, you know, Miami. Who'd Miami blow out yesterday? You, uh, you, uh, North Carolina, right? And Charlie Moore is their point guard. Charlie Moore started as a freshman at Cal, transferred to Kansas, sat out, transferred to DePaul, graduated from DePaul, and uh, now he's at Miami. Four high major schools. That's crazy. Do you know what his major would be in the seventh year or... Like, what would you be majoring in for, like, six years of college? Who's that, Charlie Moore? Yeah. Is it 007 years? <laughs> oh, Charlie Moore. How about that? Charlie, Come on. Charlie Hello. How'd you know that he 007? Oh, <laughs> uh, just uh, that was the that was the first Bond that that I knew. I've never seen a Bond movie. I did tell my wife a couple of months ago, that I'm like, maybe I should start watching some Bond movies. Get some of these references. Roger Moore is who you're thinking of. Oh, but Charlie Moore is oh, close enough. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. So Roger Moore was the one? Yes, he was. Yeah. He tells you I've never seen a Bond movie. <laughs> I like Charlie Moore better. <laughs> who's, who's Charlie Moore? Point guard know? Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to figure out who Charlie Moore was. Uh, what, else do I, uh, what else do I have here? The Can other, you name all the James Bonds? There's I, seven I know, of them. I know, I know, I know a couple of them. Uh, okay, go. It was Sean Connery. Sean Connery. He was that's one. Sir Sean Connery. Yes. Uh, Daniel Craig. That's two. That's the most recent one, yes. Yes. Pierce Brosnan. That's three. Um, Roger Moore. That's four. Um, I, I would need a lifeline. There's two others that most people don't know. David Niven and George uh, Lazenby. Okay. And oh. then the one you're forgetting is Timothy Dalton, right? Timothy Dalton, yep. Timothy Dalton. Oh, of course, John lets you say the answer, and then he goes, and yes, <laughs> Timothy Dalton. But when I say Charlie Moore five times, John just laughs at me the whole time and doesn't correct me at all. Well, I was trying to. It was a, it was a very small window there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Ian Woosdom says he's done playing in the Masters, 1991 Masters champion. You know, you're starting to, to get those guys that won in the 90s uh, that they aren't competing anymore. So Woozy is done teeing it up at Augusta National. I mean, pretty uh, easy nickname, Woozy, for Ian Woosdom. That's like, you know. Yes. That's like anybody named Smith, his last name, their nickname is Smitty. Yes. Anybody named Murph, his last name, is, his nickname is Murph. Uh, yes. Anyway, Murphy is Murph, right? If your name's Woosdom, it's got to be Woozy. Man, I thought I had one there with Charlie Moore. That's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Now, Charlie McCarthy, on the other hand, that's an old-time radio reference. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I got uh, Kentucky A&M on uh, Compass uh, Media Networks, whatever. I would take A&M in the points. I think Kentucky wins. They haven't won a close game all year. And then take Wyoming. They're given 19. Take Wyoming.